Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my iClarity podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest iClarity episode. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. Today, I give you a view into a session I did with some parents. This is a child who has been diagnosed with his right eye being very nearsighted and his left eye being very farsighted. And he's gone through a lot of learning challenges, developmental delays, and I've been working with him for over two years and he's made incredible changes. And so I thought I would give you some insight into how we did that. So enjoy the show. So, you know, if we go back to yes, his, like... his exam, that his right eye was nearsighted and his left eye was farsighted. And so if he's actually seeing clearly at the distance with his right eye, that means his nearsightedness has reduced. He's not as nearsighted. Oh, really? Well, according to Dr. Slotnick, she prescribed. That makes sense. Okay. So he's, he's, we've released some tension in his right eye because myopia is a lot about tension. And so through uh-huh. the vision therapy, his right eye is engaging. Now, what's interesting about the left eye, that's farsighted. He should be able to see pretty well in the distance, and he'd have more difficulty seeing up close with the left eye. So that's kind of odd that he can't see things with his left eye. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Yeah, like up close. Up close. So his right eye is, historically, his right eye is the reading eye, and his left eye is the distance eye just based on nearsighted, farsighted. So the right eye was nearsighted. That's the eye he reads with. The left eye is the farsighted eye. That's the eye he looks into the distance. So he's going to have difficulty reading with the left eye. And he's going to have difficulty looking into the distance with his right eye. So it doesn't quite match up with uh, the fact that his right eye sees really well. So he's got less nearsightedness, but I don't know about the right eye, uh, the left eye. You know, if I look at one of Dr. Slotnick's earlier prescriptions, it was even more. This is the prescription with the prism. The right eye was a 2.75 with prism, and the left eye was a plus 5.25 with prism. Well, that was crazy. So then we. Um, 350 went from a 5 to a 350 and um, or a 275 to a oh he actually went up in his myopia eye and he went down in his farsighted eye so I don't know we're getting kind of mixed signals there <clears throat> um, it'd be interesting to have more of the patch and read 
with each eye and see how he does with that. Like uh, patch his left eye and give okay. him a book to read or give him an iPad and see if he has to hold the, the iPad close or can he see it at his, you know, Harmon distance that's knuckled to the elbow. And then can he read with the left eye? You know, really the best eye screenings are to test how a child reads the print up close. Um, that's a better telltale okay. signal than reading a distance chart. Um, that's not a very good screening device, honestly, okay. because a lot of kids have their struggle reading, and yet that's not tested at all. So a lot of kids yeah. fall through the cracks, you know, when they're, uh, when they're screened, right? So, and the other thing you can do is when yeah. you give him something to read, watch his behaviors. You know, watch how he holds his posture, his body, his neck, his facial expression. You know, is he struggling to see it? Is he, is he able to read it easily? I think those are going to be really good indicators observationally on how he's going to do with his, um, his vision with or without glasses. And if we do prescribe something, it's going to be on the minimal side just to give them some help and support yeah. because we don't want to lock in something too strong. Um, I mean, that's what the other doctors were doing in prisms. That's crazy. We're not going to do that. When you wear a prism, it basically, uh, you know, imprisons your eyes to lock into a certain position. And um, so there's no growth and development. It's basically, you know, like wearing a, a splint on your leg or, you know, yeah. so it's, you know, there are, there are times and places when you might use prisms, you know, in an exercise context. But when you start giving kids prisms, first of all, it doesn't hold. So they need more prisms, stronger prisms. And so what yeah. we've been doing is the re-education of getting the two sides, collaborating, talking, communicating, and working together. And we're doing that mostly through the body and through the brain and some through the eyes. And um, that's why, you know, I'm asking you to do things like hopping and snow angels and, you know, uh, the heart chart with the ball bounce and, you know, things like that with each eye, giving each eye the, the opportunity, especially with the ball bounce or the swinging ball, the Marsden ball, you know, getting him to develop a better understanding of spatial decision-making and movement. And that's really what vision is. And when once somebody is nearsighted, their spatial uh, perception is very tight and compressed. And in farsightedness, it's almost too loose. It's, it's too spacious, so they can't bring it into a, a focal point. Nearsightedness, you bring it into too much of a focal point and you forget about the, the surroundings. It's too much agency and the left eye, not enough agency. Um, so okay. that's, that's kind of how he rolls in his, or how he did roll. And that's why you've been introducing this whole collaborative uh, movement of right side, left side jump rope, hopping, skipping, um, you know, that bilateral movement stuff. 
And with school, this is where some yeah. the stress comes in. So finding the time to support him in doing something to uh, continue. Wow, you're asking me to do these two things that are opposite together. And that's not normal for him, you know. So um, yeah. go easy with it. Um, and maybe you demonstrate it. You do it first. See if you can follow me. You know, there's something about your um, demonstrating it and then seeing if he can learn it through watching you do it. Uh, that's that's yeah. another option. And, um, you know, you can also give it a break as well because we don't want to frustrate the heck out of him. Uh, but it, it's a hard one for him. And it also is a, a kind of an indicator that some of those early primitive reflexes may not be fully, fully integrated. And that's what we're yeah. trying to do with the duck walk, pigeon walk. So use your judgment on it, if on how how much you want to press him on it. And um, But the other thing is, is just by having him trying it, you're getting therapeutic value. Whether he's successful or not doesn't really matter. It's in the attempting yeah. it, okay? I've seen so many yeah. kids that could never do it, but they're reading better, their coordination on the soccer field's better, they're, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, okay. yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, a di it's a little different than, say, going to, you know, a fitness studio and having to do the exact technique perfectly. This is about neuroplasticity. How can we introduce new yeah. experiences to him? And that's what you're doing. You're you're introducing all these new things to him and you're you're reaping the benefits and so is he. He's in good hands and if we don't have to do the glasses, um, that would be better. But if we need to do something to support him, I can help you come up with a prescription that you can get filled. And he could just use it part-time. So my, my expectation is that he most certainly can look behind him to okay. navigate. Uh, uh, to not look backwards right now is kind of the advanced PhD. Certainly a high-level uh, high athlete has a 360 presence of where am I in space. And... I see. With, okay. with Maddox, he most certainly should look behind him. Um, oh, now, all right. now, there is the visualization okay. piece of this, which is can he look at the obstacle course before he starts and then from memory have a sense of where things are behind him and do it that way, but he still can look and he can look at any time. But a higher level of functioning would be to just have a sixth sense of I know where I need to go and I know where the objects are. And but I think for now, if he, he can just look behind him, this could be for galloping. It could be for yeah. hopping. It could be for skipping. It could be for walking. It could be for crawling bear walk. Mm -hmm. I think this okay. is a very important, uh, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think it's a very important skill for him to continue to 
cultivate, which is his spatial understanding of where he is in relationship to the world. That's a really important metaphor on spatial understanding. Because if you have good spatial understanding, it's actually going to help your spelling. It's going to help your math. It's going to help your ability to, to project problem solving uh, on a more cognitive level, like mentally. Uh, they would say executive function later on, where the motor is not involved, yeah. called motor free. Right now, he's in the motor stage of orientation. Where am I in space? Where do I fit? Where have I been and where am I going? And orientation is really important, as you know, because if you know where you are in space, then you have a reference point on where you need to go and where you've come from. And you also have a better sense of your arms and your legs and where your, your body ends and where the world begins. So like in athletics, for example, people that get injured a lot, sometimes they don't have good control of their body sense in space, where their arms and their legs, you know, their contr body control. One of my teachers used to say, you know, learning in school starts with having good body control. When a child has good body sense and body control, then they can learn the higher, you know, the higher facts of, but it starts with body control and regulation and processing and focus and all those things. So I think this is a, this is his growing edge this week is I really want him to see if he can make a leap in motoring backwards and he's allowed to look as many times as he wants to and um, at, at whatever uh, motor, you know, motor um, skill you want to offer him. Now, what's going to really challenge him would be the duck walk and the pigeon walk. I mean, he can barely go forwards with that. But ultimately, if he could do the duck walk, pigeon walk, obstacle course backwards, that would be amazing for him. So, you know, right now, it's just, yeah. I, I'm just getting the, the movements down. So on that one, but maybe like bear walk or maybe, you know, just walking or, or something. And another thing with the bike riding, and this may be more for Dom, is can he follow Dom on a bike? Can he, can he do the obstacle course and, you know, maybe at a park or if they're there that day or a soccer ball, you know, or a basketball, um, you know, there are basketball drills where he, Dom could be, could be dribbling and Maddox has got to follow him, you know, up and down the court or up and down the, the soccer field. Um, those are really important things where he brings his vision into his body and movement because that's going to help his sports a lot. And I still contend he could occupy his eyes more when he's moving his body in space. I think it's gotten better. I think he's acknowledging yeah. it. <clears throat> but for now, I think he most certainly can look when he goes backwards and that's actually really great coordination of, oh, I got to look over my right shoulder, my left shoulder. You know, how do I, how do I navigate this navigation? And so, um, yeah. and this is more advanced. So this is not a requirement, but it could be extra credit 
What if he did the motoring going backwards with one of his eyes covered? And to watch how differently he motors through the world and comprehends the world through his right eye and then through his left eye. Um, okay. Because, again, if, if we look at historical data, he's processing the world through his right eye very differently than through his left eye. If, in fact, yeah. you know, he's got that different prescription going on. And vision is a lot for him right now is about how can I develop my spatial understanding and how can I trust it? And how can I trust it yeah. with both eyes together? Um, I don't know if you remember this one, if you even have it, the, the swinging ball, you put a piece of cardboard underneath the, the ball is it just, you know, hanging without moving. And you put a piece of cardboard down and then you swing, you swing the ball and he's got to walk through the swinging ball by putting his foot, one of his feet on the square as he walks through the swinging ball where he dodges the ball. We call it motor planning. Did we ever do that one? Yeah. Um, yes. And, and, yeah. and so going backwards, and there are two ways to swing the ball. One is just like a pendulum back and forth. But another way to swing the ball is in a circle and he's got to walk backwards through this, the, the ball spinning. That's really hard to do. He's got to develop a rhythm and timing and judgment on where that ball, where is that ball in relation to the movement and my body and my vision. So I miss the ball as I'm walking through yeah. the ball. Yeah. So, you, you know, you've, you may have done that one. But the going backwards is yeah. that's big. Um, I, in, in this um, clinic that I that I consult with uh, the autism ADD, we do a lot of things moving backwards. And this is when the kids start reading. This is when the kids start. There's something about developing the backspace, the spine, the back body, because we're taught to thrust forward, always looking, always, and that creates the tunneling, the agency, the. And we forget about our back body. But when we start remembering our back body, it kind of opens up the brain more because the backside of the brain is our vision center. So we're not just in the, the frontal brain. It's thrusting. It's grabbing. It's, you know, what we're doing. We're driving. We're looking at a computer. And so developing that, that back vision is really, really important in the balance of the whole, whole person. Um, so that's an emphasis I would, uh, you know, uh, distill in, you know, maybe drip it in, but, um, and if he's successful at it, celebrate it. Like we've talked about, wow, you're able to go backwards, yeah. you know, and it's the same with that jump rope. Can he, can he swing that rope behind him and even walk over it? Or can he jump yeah. backwards? You know, if you're having the rope attached to the chair and you're raising it a little bit. We need to develop that backspace more for him. I think that's something. And then back to the ball bounce. Well, can he do the right hand to the left hand in the bounce? Can he do it from the left hand to the right hand? Can he do both hands? Um, I yeah, I know we you. Like we tried that. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's like, coming. Yeah, but that's that's and then of course with the swinging ball. So now the ball is swinging towards him and away from him. 
can he hit the ball with each hand? Can he alternate? Just do his right hand, just do his left hand, alternate. Um, that's also another, um, you know, technique that brings in his, uh, you know, his integration. And it's visual motor integration. And I'll tell you something else. With the visualization, maybe bringing back the blocks and blindfolding him and having him feel your block design and then making his block design based on feeling yours without actually seeing it or drawing letters on his back and drawing letters that make a word. So that's a visualization. Or if you have little letters, you know, if you have the letters, blindfold them and give them a letter at a time. Can he feel the letter and tell you what the letter is? I think as we go into school, visualization is a very important skill in memory. And um, uh, so, and problem solving eventually. Can I hold it in my brain? How do you feel his memory is? You know, another thing that a great game to do in the car, and I don't know if he's ready to do this, is to start telling a story, you know, but you make it up as you go. So you, you start ta telling a story and then he's got to add his part of the story. So he's got to really listen to what you're doing and then you add to his story and then he adds to your story. Yeah. It's a lot of talking. I mean, it's for a verbal, but yeah. storytelling, you know, can he tell you a story? If you read a story to him, ask him the next day, hey, what was that story about that we read? You know, anyways, you know what to do, but I would keep accessing that memory piece, get him talking about it and developing the time space orientation piece to it. I mean, if, if, um, you know, let's say you were here, let's say you were in office and we were, I would really be working a lot in combination with the motor things with the cognitive memory and spatial things that require thinking. Uh, visual thinking. Developmentally, he's moving into that phase. I mean, just seeing him today, he's a completely different boy compared to when I first met him. And yeah, part of it is just what? his growth and maturation, but he's yeah. just so much more together and organized. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. the work we've done together. But I would start doing a lot of visual thinking stuff, you know, getting him to think about Hey, we're going to XYZ store. How would you get there? Can you give me the directions? Well, you go up to Route 77, you make a left turn, and then you, I mean, again, give him things where he's got a problem solving. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.